Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real-Time Enterprise channel on Vantic TV, our video and podcast series of interviews with thought leaders and practitioners in digital transformation and the real-time enterprise. My name is Blaine Matthew, and I'm Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Vantic. Note that you can reach either myself or the guest by sending a note to realtime at vantic.com, and we will be more than happy to follow up. Joining me today is Sean Fitzgerald, Global Research Director, Worldwide Digital Transformation Strategies at renowned technology consulting and analyst firm, IDC. Full disclosure, Vantic is a client of IDC, and frankly, Sean and the digital transformation practice is uh, the key reason for that. So I'm really excited to have you as a guest today, Sean. Thanks so much for joining us. Blaine, thank you very much for hosting me today. Anytime, absolutely. So why don't you start by telling us about the digital transformation practice at IDC? I think you refer to it as the DX practice. Sure, sure. So uh, digital transformation or DX uh, at IDC is a program that's been around about three years. Uh, I've had the, uh, the opportunity to be running that program the last two years. Uh, I joined IDC uh, about that time frame. And, and in that span, we've, um, we've created a industry leading uh, position of thought leadership around what is digital transformation, what it means for companies to actually undertake transformation, uh, which are really about threading together elements of people, process, and technology for business-oriented outcomes um, using technology uh, for scale and uh, agile capabilities that uh, you utilize to uh, really think differently about data and information, how you apply it to the business and the processes, and ultimately better products and services and experience for your customers, customers and markets. And uh, around that, we've got a great team of analysts, and we've developed I think we're up to now 18 industry use case taxonomies spanning well over 800 uh, use cases or think of them as business projects with business oriented outcomes that utilize key technologies that are part of our digital world today. And uh, we've just rolled out another eight functional uh, taxonomies for things like finance, HR, marketing, operations, customer experience, uh, which are all the things that enterprises also have just in general um, because creating operational excellence and using digital technologies to automate a lot of that uh, is certainly in our futures. Um, and as a result, we were recognized earlier this year by a third party company as being the number one digital transformation influencer worldwide. So that was a really nice honor. I believe it. I, I fundamentally believe that for sure. And I'm very, very familiar with your industry use case taxonomies. I want to talk about that in a few minutes in more detail. But if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind uh, backing up a little bit and finding out a little bit more about how you got to where you are today, leading the IDC digital transformation practice. Sure, sure. So, uh, well, thanks for asking. Um, so I'm an industry practitioner. I'm actually not a technologist, which <clears throat> makes me a little bit of a uh, unique at IDC. I, I worked in industry for many years. I started my career in finance and M&A due diligence in New York. I went on to uh, become Lean Six Sigma certified. So I'm a, a black belt in Lean Six Sigma. And I ran the global order to cash program at a Dow 30 company in the 90s. I ran a $2 billion branded drug franchise in the uh, 2000s. And then most recently in industry, I actually worked as the uh, 
Global Director of Process Excellence and Supply Chain for one of three companies that designs, manufactures, and produces uh, paper, security features, and finished banknotes for central banks around the world. Hmm. And uh, I was an industry analyst earlier in my career at one point and hmm. had an opportunity to come back and uh, run digital transformation at IDC. And it really, I think, leverages a lot of the change management uh, and again, bringing together people, process, and technology for better outcomes. And how do you do that both at the unique program level, but also at the portfolio level when you're dealing with all the complexities of enterprise scale? So were you excited to lead the DX practice at IDC because you'd seen so much successful digital transformation? Or was it because you hadn't seen much successful digital transformation in your career and you wanted to do something about it? Well, you know, I was fortunate, you know, I worked for Allied Signal in the 90s when Larry Bossidy was there and, and they were really embracing Lean and Six Sigma as these mechanisms or processes or approaches to change management. And um, the beautiful thing about Allied Signal is you've got to see it done well. <clears throat> and I was a younger guy in my 20s and, you know, you, you typically look at your first experiences as representative of all experiences. And and then when I left and moved on from Allied, I found out that the rest of the world really wasn't getting it done right in terms of change management, whether that's digital transformation or ERP implementations or just, just basic, how do, you, how do you get the organization to behave differently? Um, most organizations just aren't very good at it. And there's a multitude of reasons for it. There's technology components, there's information components, there's certainly cultural legacy and, and management and system uh, aspects and attributes. Um, so it's really nice to be able to you know, take some design and systems thinking to digital transformation at IDC and, you know, use the thought leadership of myself and our extended team of analysts and experts to, uh, you know, help companies get it right. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, so far we've used the term digital transformation probably a dozen times in this chat and we actually haven't defined it yet. And I always ask our guests to give them their opinion of what digital transformation actually really means. Finally, I've got the analyst and guru who is literally leading the digital transformation practice. So, so what does digital transformation mean to you? You know, I'm really glad you asked that Blaine because quite frankly, I hear everybody say, well, digital transformation, it's a tired term, it's an overused term. I don't think the term is tired or overused. I think the lack of context and scoping of what the term means is, is the failing that, that industry and, and society at large is really um, suffering from as it relates to the, to the term. So at IDC, we define digital transformation as transformed decision-making with technology. And expanding on that, what is a very simple sentence, there's a lot of complexity and components and dimension to it underneath. So when we talk about transform, we talk about looking at information and new sources of innovation to fundamentally rethink your business, how you go to market, how you better serve customers with information enhanced products and services. Uh, decision making is very much about empirical based culture. So it's, you know, getting away from gut management and really let data uh, analysis and insight uh, drive how the business operates. I mean, historically, right, you had processes that were enabled by technology and then some data came out of it. And now we're at a point with information at scale where data and insight actually can drive business process and technology. So it's almost a, a complete inversion, if you will. Hmm. And then ultimately it's about technology, right? Because we can do things as events. Uh, societies are great at, you know, 
major events as a one-time effort, if you will, getting everybody to align and stack hands. But what technology allows you to do is now have this repeatable process capability that tomorrow's betterment becomes the next day's foundation upon which to build and further uh, improve your capability. So I think technology as part of this, uh, what I call scale time uh, capability is really critical because you know, all production systems have infinite capacity, as I like to say, until you put time around it, right? Because we only have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, et cetera. So how do I use information to make better first time quality decisions as quickly as possible that the organization can then act on? And some of our research recently, I did a CFO series and uh, it was fascinating to hear these CFOs talk about anywhere from 60 to 80% of the time that the organization spends is agreeing to a shared set of information to then make a decision around. So the ability to use technology to automate the information that everybody can agree to gets you to a decision and a better outcome sooner. Really interesting. I, and I was going to get to this question later, but since you brought up the notion of speed, agility, time a, a few times now in, in, in just what you said, to what degree is the notion of of becoming a real-time organization or a real-time enterprise tied or connected to the notion of digital transformation. We talk about this a lot on, on Vantic TV and, and the notion that many of the use cases around digital transformation seem to be about taking stuff that used to be done, you know, either sequentially or in a batch mode and more thinking about doing things in parallel or in real time based on the, the data and the technology that we have available. What's your thought on this notion of a real-time? enterprise. I, I think there's tremendous value in it. You know, in fact, in our definition of digital transformation, we talk about doubling the productivity of your workforce. And that seems like an audacious statement. But if you look at, you know, look at a manufacturer, for example, a typical manufacturer, less than 30% of the elapsed time from raw materials going into a batch process or a conversion process, or even an assembly process to the time it's actually finished good, that's ready for sale to a customer or into a marketplace um, is actually active production time, right? So the rest of it is you're queuing, you're waiting, uh, you've got quality holds. And those delays are oftentimes just information isn't getting to the decision point so you can move that uh, piece of production or service element to the next phase where it can get you know, through to its final concluded state sooner than later. So yep. the notion of using technology to get this real time and I think you know, some of the things that, that Vantic's doing with its, you know, no code, low code, and how you're kind of bringing together um, information that historically wasn't uh, sequenced in real time, I think it holds tremendous uh, value opportunity for companies that can figure out how it fits into their uh, design thinking for transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. So you mentioned earlier about the IDC use case taxonomies project. And I will say again, back to my intro, th th this work you've done around these use cases is really one of the core fundamental reasons why Vantic actually joined IDC. And I've been working with IDC on and off at various companies for a couple of decades now. And your work on these use cases brought me back to IDC and said, wow, this is powerful. So tell our listeners more, what, what is this project? What is the output of it? What's it all about? Sure, so the, the taxonomy is really a four level framework. And, and it stems again from being a former uh, corporate uh, financial planning and analysis person. So so how do you get different parts of the organization to align to the overall enterprise goals and objectives? So we developed this four level model of uh, mission, 
to strategic priority, to programs, to use cases or projects. So um, starting at the highest level, the mission is really that, what do you wanna be when you grow up digital, for example? So in retail, our digital mission is what we call um, experiential commerce, right? Making purchases in the stream of life. And then underneath that, you're gonna have uh, a, a number of strategic priorities that align and achieve on that mission. One might be around sourcing, one might be around customer experience, one might be around fulfillment and, and the supply chain and the inventories. Um, and then you'll have programs that align to each of those strategic priorities. So several programs to each priority. And then ultimately you're gonna have a set of projects. Uh, and those projects are gonna be somewhat bespoke uh, as a retailer because where you need to go um, and how you get there is gonna be a function of where you are and what the gaps are between current state and that, you know, that experiential commerce uh, mission that you want to achieve on. And, that, and that's true for all industries. So, so we've built this four level uh, framework. We've, uh, we've utilized, we've got a bunch of industry experts. So we've got Leslie Hand in retail, we've got Simon Ellis in manufacturing and a bunch of other uh, great analysts and other verticals. And so they went out and, and figured out, okay, what makes sense given their understanding and deep domain uh, experiences with these verticals. And so they've each worked collectively as a team with myself and Bob Parker, who I work with at IDC quite closely and we've developed these use case taxonomies. And um, I think as a result of it, we've, we've created a lot of gravity and interest. In fact, we've got a large home improvement retailers using one of our taxonomy frameworks to develop their own digital strategy and roadmap. And, and on top of that, we've, we've aligned our spending. So we have this qualitative set of taxonomies that we've been talking about, but we also have now aligned our DX or digital transformation spending guide to the taxonomy. Mm -hmm. um, so the spend guide actually looks at industry, and those use cases of what types of investments are being made in hardware, software services uh, from the strategic priority level down through the use cases. And what this does is a couple things. So I tell companies you use research in a couple ways. One, if you're an end user company, right? A consumer of technology, you're gonna buy the CIS and you're gonna look at the use cases to figure out, am I focused on the right things? Am I qualitatively aligning the right projects and programs, et cetera? And am I phasing them the right way for where I am versus where I wanna go? And then the spend guide alignment to that then says, okay, well, what investments and what technologies are being made either at the use case program or strategic priority level, both today, because we look at spend today, and then we have our forecasted outlook over the next several years of spend. So it's what technology should I be looking at today versus for the future? And on the flip side for the vendors, same thing occurs is that you use the use cases to actually have this piece of social capital that you can put in the room with a prospect or a client and really get tangible about what does transformation look like, manifested as this type of use case or the enablement of this type of program, et cetera. And then from a marketing branding positioning from the spend guide, what should I be marketing and messaging around technologies today versus where the growth areas over the next three to five years that I should be thinking about as I evolve my place in the market. And for vendors, it's twofold, right? So it's how do I effectively position myself in the context of digital transformation for markets, customers, and prospects? But then there's the, how do I get digitally fit myself and transform my own organization so that I'm competing effectively as a digitally uh, enabled or transformed entity you know, tomorrow and in the future well after that? 
Right on. And, and as a vendor, what you described is exactly how we use your, uh, your digital use case taxonomy. So very powerful. And I hope no other vendors are listening to this because it's a sec- I think it's a secret weapon we have uh, at Vantic to have access to this, uh, this content and this, this analysis. And I have to say over the last couple of decades, uh, working with IDC and, and most of the other analyst firms, the thing I've always loved about IDC the most is the sort of quantitative uh, framework you put around the work you do. You know, it's not uh, only a bunch of opinions about where technology is going and, and what the trends are, but the fact that you, you surround it with your, serv- your, your forecast of spend around services, technology, and and uh, you know software services and hardware and you know very powerful ecosystem you built up, and I think you've almost got nearly 800 of these use cases built out across I think you said 18 industries. It, it it's quite incredible. Thank you, Blaine. Very kind. And you know what? But think about it, right? If we if we didn't quantitatively and use our own data and empirical understanding to drive digital transformation, we'd be a little hypocritical. We'd be, we'd be the doctor who smokes, right? You know? <laughs> so uh, I think it's important that we, we use data to drive our own you know, behaviors internally as we digitally transform and again, better serve our markets. But, but again, I appreciate the very kind words. So thank oh, you. Well, you bet. You, and trust me, you guys are rocking it. And I've, I've, as I said, I've, I've worked with and still work with many of the, the firms out there. My, my listeners know that I'm a former Gartner analyst myself. So I've, I know sort of how the sausage is made. And I've always been very impressed with what IDC does and, and obviously still impressed. So beyond the, the use case uh, level, are there any, do you have any favorite examples of companies that you're maybe working with now or have worked with or organizations that are actually making the transition toward uh, being digitally transformed, so to speak? Yeah, you know, it's really, it's really amazing, you know, and I, I often use the, uh, the Schindler uh, Elevator Company as a great mm-hmm. example, you know, that, you know, I, I jokingly refer to it as a company that lifts things up and puts them down, but you know, several years ago, they, they decided to uh, IoT enable a lot of their uh, elevators and escalators and other, you know, hard assets so that they could monitor and improve uh, maintenance uptime, right? So you go from outages of a couple days to several hours because they can remotely monitor the asset performance. And what they found is because Schindler moves about a billion people a day um, hmm. throughout wow. buildings and cities and what have you, is they've been able to network all those IoT sensors so they really understand traffic patterns in a building um, in the context of time of day, when, you know, whether it's everybody coming to work, people going out during breaks or lunch, and people leaving at the end of the day to go home uh, to their families. And, and what they found is um, by aggregating all that large data, they can now not only they achieve their maintenance goals of improve uptime for these assets, but now they're actually selling data as a service to building architects and city planners uh, to really better help those folks design and build structures and incorporate elevators and escalators to move people as quickly and safely as possible. And if you think about, you know, you go to a really old hotel building or a really old office building that has an elevator and historically, right, when the, the lift wasn't in service, it was down on the first floor in the lobby. And now what you'll find are elevators are typically staged at different floors and that changes over the course of the day based on the large data understanding and analytics of traffic patterns. You know, so obviously in the morning, probably most of those lifts are going to be down on the first floor because they know people are entering the building to go to their various office locations. And throughout the day, those patterns are going to shift based on 
uh, the data and historical analysis and the continued ingestion of new data as those elevators are utilized on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, what's fascinating is if I said 30 years ago, there's a company that makes elevators that moves things vertically, um, they're going to they're gonna have a data as a service business and, and they're going to monetize that. Um, you'd probably think I was, you know, off my rocker. And, um, yeah. but it's real, right? And it's just one of thousands of examples of transformation that we see uh, all across different industries. But, but it's a good one because I always, you know, when I give talks, I ask people to raise their hand if they've ever been on an elevator and usually, you know, it's a hundred percent response rate. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great example because they're doing things they were doing before more efficiently and effectively, but the real transformation in my opinion is they're doing things that they never did before, right? Opening up new revenue generation opportunities and really starting new, you know, lines of business. Uh, within what is fundamentally a very old legacy uh, business. So it's, it's a great example. Very, very uh, impressive and powerful. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't even talk about the, you know, think about the supply chain optimization opportunities, right? They, they have advanced understanding of where asset performance is and, and they have all these large data sets that they can predict which components are more likely to need that maintenance interval versus others. So think about the value that they've created for themselves in terms of just managing their supply chain and, and their physical inventories and, and even the time cycles to uh, get on-time delivery. Uh, it just, you know, the cash and earnings and other just general business measures of betterment that that has enabled. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, makes perfect sense. So who do you think or which parts of the organization are fundamentally driving DX, DX uh, initiatives today? Is it primarily coming from the IT side, the CIO and, and that gang, or is it more from the LOB side? You might say. Yeah, you know, and I hate to give you, uh, you know, the, the typical analyst uh, response of it depends because it really does. You know, if you're, you know, if you're a retailer, you're very customer facing, you're typically going to see your chief marketing officer or some of your commercial folks trying to drive that um, curated and cultivated hyper personalized experience for customers and markets. Um, if you're further back in the value stream, uh, either as a supplier or an assembler or some type of distrib uh, distribution entity, um, it might be much more about the operations. Um, if the nature of your work is very much data and informational and interconnectivity, that's where you're typically going to see a stronger IT presence perhaps at the table. But I really think the broad response to that question is there's so much more education to do around digital transformation because I think to the point where we kind of started uh, earlier in our conversation about defining digital transformation, I think a lot of organizations and all functions across these organizations still don't have a shared understanding of what it is. And then even without that, how do you then say, well, what does it mean to me and who should be driving it? And I think the best companies and we, we kind of, our research has really kind of um, teased out two types of organizations. One we call the digitally determined uh, who are doing transformation well. And we've got a lot of data and information, again, using data to, to drive our position and conclusions about uh, those organizations and the attributes. And then the digitally distressed, right? Companies that really aren't figuring it out. They're maybe doing pockets of uh, pilots or as one um, McKinsey guy I was listening to talked about pilot purgatory, where you're just trying things and, and it's just, it's groundhog day, but it's a different kind of pain and you never get it to scale and the enterprise doesn't perform better at large uh, because you just, you never get out of that uh, kind of learning phase. Um, mm -hmm. But for digitally determined organizations, we really see, we really see two attributes. Uh, one is 
there's a unified strategy around digital that either uh, mirrors the business strategy or the digital strategy is the business strategy, which means it's being CEO led and driven, prioritized, all the executive team members understand what it is and what it means for them and what, what field position their departments and parts of the organization play in, in undertaking the transformation. And then, so the, the strategy is the one uh, aspect of it and how highly um, integrated or, or overall aligned it is, I think is one dimension. And then the other is um, quality of execution, right? So I work for Larry Bossidy, his famous book, Execution, and, and I'm gonna mm -hmm. paraphrase uh, his thinking on it was, you know, to see strategy as slideware is great, but without the actual ability to realize that strategy um, in the world that we all live and breathe in, um, is just delusion, right? Because you've got, you've got an idea without the ability to realize it. And the other part of what we're seeing the Digitally Determined do well is, is execute to that strategy. So taking the idea and, and manifesting it in the reality in terms of technology-enabled capabilities that grow and improve and get better and that are very much aligned to business goals and objectives. So it's not, a, it's not technology for cool, gee whiz, you know, it's shiny sake, it's technology applied to betterment. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. How do companies uh, develop the kind of agility that's necessary to stay on top of the constant change though, that's happening in and around them? What's the secret to that? Yeah, no, and, and you know, great question. I think, I think for companies that are in technology oriented industries or spaces are, are much better at that because innovation is just culturally what they're required to do to stay current with products and, and things like aerospace companies. Um, a lot of highly engineered, highly, um, you know, a lot of development cycles, you know, so, so really just extending that existing enculturation to the broader organization. I think a lot of traditional companies, you know, that quite frankly, you know, we, we've made the same widget the same way for a hundred years. I think they're the ones that struggle. And I think, from my own point of view and, and the advice I give all companies is that digital transformation is both a team sport and a long game. So not only do you need to engage your entire organization, but you need to find the right strategic partners because you're not gonna develop all these digital capabilities yourselves, nor should you, right? So if I manufacture industrial motors, my forte is not necessarily advanced IT technologies and capabilities. So I need to partner with the right hardware, software service uh, entities to give me access to the data that's probably locked up in all my manufacturing facilities that I, again, I wanna to network together to get the big data analytics and drive the better informed decision in more real time, improve supply chain, all those other good things. Um, but it would take me probably a hundred years to get the right IT mentality and culture into that business when my business is making industrial motors in that example. Yeah, right. Right. Wow. I have a feeling we could spend an hour on every one of the questions I've asked you so far. This is uh, really, really rich and deep, but let's take it uh, down to the end here. So one of my favorite parts of these interviews is asking the guests uh, what, what some aspect of conventional wisdom is that you would like to call bullshit on. So where, where's the market saying X and you're actually uh, generally saying Y? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd declare BS on a particular thing, but I, what I would really call out is the need for uh, senior leadership to actually um, find humility and time to self-reflect because trying to apply traditional 
functional structures and management systems and how we've typically thought or historically thought about the role of HR um, and how we incentivize people needs to fundamentally change. And, and so the look of the organization, how it's managed, uh, what types of talent you want to uh, attract, hire, and retain. And our own, our own data shows this, by the way. So we've, we've come up with these couple different dimensions of uh, digital KPIs, if you will. And, and beyond the KPI dimension themselves of like innovation rate or digital operations or, or you know, customer experience, um, what was really fascinating to me in the findings was that not only were digitally determined companies using different types of measures beyond traditional financial ones, which aren't going anywhere, right? Because the, mm -hmm. the markets value companies based on, you know, revenue and earnings and cash flow, and that stuff is here to stay. Um, but supplementing with these digital KPIs to better understand the operational effectiveness and efficiency of the transformation is one finding, but how those KPIs are used was the real eye-opener. So digitally determined companies are over 50% more likely to use these digital measures when doing either annual or strategic planning, much more likely to uh, drive um, those into quarterly operating reviews or monthly operating reviews. I think the number, and I, I don't have it committed to memory, but I, I think it's over 27% of the digitally determined companies are better at managing daily and weekly activities in their organizations with these, which you think about it, right? Change management is a function of altering habit. Well, habit is just a kind of pre-programmed behavior set. Well, in order to change that pre-programmed behavior set and get these new habits of digital, you have to practice those every day. And, and research has shown that that takes about 300 times before that new habit becomes just your habit. Right. And so that's a, the better part of a year if it's something you do every day. So, so to not employ the work differently and monitor it differently is to get more of the same that you've always gotten and then be frustrated. And, and we see that because the actually the digitally distressed are much more likely to show digital measures to their employees and to their organizations without any of those management shifts and behavior that drive to different outcomes. So it's, it's kind of like being in a car, that car's heading towards a cliff, but the door handle's broken, the steering wheel won't turn, and the brakes and the accelerator don't function. So you just, I'm giving you a front row seat to the crash that's coming. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Well, let's, I'm glad you're helping companies avoid being in that situation. So that's uh, yeah, a great analogy. So no, I, another thing you do is you help, uh, you help in the world of making predictions. And so any interesting technology or business predictions for 2019, I know you've just had a, a series about that. In fact, tell us a little bit more about IDC predictions. Sure. So we, uh, we do these futurescape predictions. We've just published our top 10 uh, 2019 digital transformation predictions where we look out over the next uh, five years and uh, we make some pretty bold statements about where the market is headed or where we think the market is headed. And I think, you know, the big one, and I talked a lot about this digitally determined versus digitally distressed. And quite frankly, today we see about one, one third of companies are digitally determined and two thirds are digitally distressed. And, mm. and even just to, to tread water, um, with your transformation is actually to backslide because the market is moving forward while you're just, you know, staying uh, in stasis, if you will. Um, so one of our big predictions um, was that by 2020, we see at least 55% of organizations becoming digitally determined. Hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's really not just about, oh, they're going to get there by 2020. 
it's, they'll have figured out they need that unified strategy. They'll need that singular roadmap and um, they'll need to uh, break those roadmaps into use cases or chunkable bites that are prioritized by what do we do today? What do we do in the midterm? And then what do we need to think about longer term? Yeah, makes uh, makes perfect sense. And obviously you're helping to enable that transition. So uh, thank you for that. I think that's actually probably a good place to end. So Sean, thanks so much for joining us today. It's really been a great and interesting conversation. Thank you, Blaine. And it's been a pleasure and I appreciate you hosting me. You're, you're welcome. So those interested in hearing more of Sean's thoughts can follow his frequent posts on LinkedIn and also search for Sean Fitzgerald on idc.com to see uh, the many relevant reports that he and his team have been producing. And of course, you can reach out to me anytime at realtimeadvantic.com. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, search for The Real-Time Enterprise on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you are already listening to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, please leave a rating or comment and let us know how you are enjoying the show.